You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 2 Samuel chapter number 18. I greatly appreciate the invitation to be a part of the youth conference here this, this year. Several years ago, I came out just to really learn a little bit. I came with Brother Hudson many years ago when he was preaching and uh, just sat and sort of took in youth conference and learned a little bit of how, how it's done. Tried to, to glean and take back some home to make camp better at home. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to stand and preach to you this morning. Man, I appreciate the preaching Brother Brown did this morning. And I thought for right there at the end, he was going to preach my message. But Lord, will help me. I want to share with you my heart this morning. Let's stand together. 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. I, I won't keep you long. I know we got activities and things. But my heart is, I am really burdened this morning about preaching this message. And then as Brother Brown finished up, it just, man, God just drove it home in my heart. The Bible said in verse number, let, let's go back in verse number 24. David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate of the wall, and lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, a man running along. The watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Hold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. The watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face and before the king, and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. The king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Himaz answered, When Joab sent me the king's servant, when Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. The king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king. For the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. The king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. As he wept, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. You can be seated. You can be seated. I want to preach this morning using Absalom as my text on this thought. And I, I want you to just... Lock in with me for about 30 minutes, and I won't, I won't keep you much longer, but I want to talk to you about something very serious. I want to preach this morning on Absalom, on this thought, from a Christian home to a Christless hell. From a Christian home 
to a Christless hell. As I've been studying over the past months about the double cause of the Word of God, there's one thing for sure. As we look into the Word of God, as you walk through the 66 books of the Scripture, God is trying to get man's attention. Can I say to you this morning, God wants your attention. As Brother Brown has already said, we're not playing games. We're not trying to tickle your ears. We're trying to draw you into an eternal mindset where you make an eternal decision for the glory of God in every occurrence as you study the double calls where the Lord's Abraham, Abraham, and Samuel, Samuel, and Martha, Martha, and Moses, Moses, and Simon, Simon, and he old said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in our text this morning, the statement is made, oh, Absalom, Absalom. And can I tell you, every time you study one of these instances, it reveals to us the urgency of the matter at hand. For certain, you understand when you read the Bible that God does not repeat himself just to hear himself talk. Can I tell you, he has something in mind that is of great concern. May I say to you this morning, uh, uh, we're thankful for the fun that we have at camp uh, and uh, at youth conference, and we'll have a great time this afternoon. And, and man, the games you play in the morning and, and the experience that you get to enjoy with your groups as you're here. Uh, uh, but can I tell you the most important thing uh, of the goal as you walk away from here uh, is to know that when you get back on your bus uh, and you make your way back to your home and make your way back to your church, uh, or that without a shadow of a doubt, or that you know that you are a child of the living God, friend. Can I tell you, listen, as you look where the Lord talks to these people, we understand that God shows us that he has a strong interest in our life. You say, preacher, man, you don't know where I come from. I know about those kids this morning. They said they didn't have many friends, and it seemed like nobody cared. Well, I'm telling you, until you've known the loving hand, until you You've known the love of God. Uh, the president may not know who you are. Uh, the principal may not know who you are. Uh, but can I tell you, there is a God in heaven uh, that's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, that came to this world to shed his blood. Uh, that you might be saved, friend. Uh, there is someone who cares for you. He's got a strong interest in your life. I've been praying today that God would sovereignly intervene in your life. I like those places in the Word of God where it says, but God, or God entered, or he was in the midst. He intervened in your life. As I, I thought about, how you talking about the one you prayed, the brother you prayed with this morning, how, how God intervened in his life, and now he's got his own group here. I'm telling you, what a, uh, boy, the, 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 the Lord uh, used Joseph's life. We're talking about him this morning. His brothers threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And boy, it looked like it was a bad deal. It looked like things were going wrong. But what the Lord, what the devil meant for evil, the Lord meant it for good. And can I tell you, when God was saving Joseph out of that pit, when God was saving Joseph out of the hands of Potiphar's wife, and when God was saving Joseph out of the jail, can I tell you, he was saving all of Egypt. And can I tell you, some of you are sitting on the pews. When God was saving your preacher, he was 
was setting the table to save you. And when God was saving your parents, he was setting the table to save you. I say, happy day, happy day. When I heard the story of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and grace intervened in my life. Can I tell you, God's got some sacred intentions for your life. He's not just going to save you for you to wear the backside of your britches out on a church pew. I mean, he's going to save you with the idea that he wants to use you for the glory of God to bring some other people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Absalom was a fool who rebelled against his father. Are you listening to me? Rebellion ruined Absalom just like it ruined Cain, just like it ruined Samson, just like it ruined Hophni and Phinehas, just like it ruined the sons of Korah, Jonah, Achan, and the prodigal son, and Saul, and on, and on, and on, and on. Right. Heard a lot of kids come tell me, and not just young folks, I've heard a lot of adults say to me, preacher, I mean, boy, they're going out in the sea, and they're, uh, they're looking into the fire country, they're looking to the well water plain of Jordan, and I've heard this statement, Brother Brown, a preacher, I can handle it. Preacher, I'm going to be okay, Brother Swanson. I'm, I, I can handle it. But can I tell you what? I don't know a whole lot. I'm not the sharpest tack in the, in the box. But can I tell you what? As I've watched the last 28 years of preaching, I've watched a lot of folks, and I've heard a lot of people tell me oh, that they can handle it. But what I've watched to find out is the same thing those very individuals had, uh, found out, that they could not handle sin, uh, but sin handled them. I'm telling you, friend, don't be an absolute. Don't be an Absalom. Let me give you three quick things. Number one, I want you to notice the potential of a royal prince. I'm talking about potential. I remember standing on a, on a baseball field years ago, and uh, the, the, uh, we, we were trying out for a pretty prestigious team, and everybody on the field were pretty good athletes, and, and the coach was talking, and he made this statement. He said, boys, do you know what potential is? He said, it's unrealized talent. He said, all potential is is talent that you've not done anything with. And can I tell you, that's exactly the story of Absalom's life. He was the son of the king, or a king. He was a son of a king. This was David's boy. But the reason Absalom went to hell, it was not the fact that he was son, the son of a king. He went to hell because he was not the son of the king. And some of you are sitting here as the preachers already preached to us this morning. You're living in great homes. Some of you have no idea what it is to open a refrigerator and see beer in the refrigerator. You have no idea to know what it is on a, a night to lay in your bed with the door closed and hear mom and dad in a cuss faint and carrying on because of difficulty in the home. Listen, I'm not throwing stones at them. They don't know any better. If that is the case at home, they're just sinners doing what sinners do. Amen. And outside of the God's grace, so go I. 
and so go you. And you don't know what it's like. I've had bus kids as we picked them up. I've stepped over, blasted out daddies to take kids to church. I've had those little boys say, preacher, can I go home with you? And you be my daddy. Oh, friends, some of you have no idea what that's like. But if you're not careful, you're going to grow up in a great environment, in a great church, hearing great truth preached. Be around people that love you and care for you. You're going to be around people who are sons of the king, but you're not going to meet him and you're going to die without Christ. He was the son of the only man in the word of God that said he was a man after God's own heart. I'm talking about the spiritual advantages. I mean, you read the book of Psalms. I mean, David had a prophetic ministry. He talked to us. He taught you through the Psalms about God's power, God's person, God's plan, his prophetic plan, God's pardon. I mean, all the way through the word of God, David's pinning some great truth through the book of Psalms. And that's who Absalom's living with. Yet he missed God. Can I say it this way? If a man can die at Calvary, we preach about the man on the hill on the other tree that got saved and said, Lord, remember me without coming. Oh, when you come into your kingdom. And we preach about the one that was on the right side of Calvary, but we fail to preach about the one who didn't get on the right side of Calvary. And can I tell you, do you not think if a man can go to hell after hearing of the seven sins of the cross and say, Lord, forgive them. For the very first thing he said was, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, listen, son, behold thy, uh, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. He heard him say it is finished, about his head and gave up the ghost. He heard him say, my God, Eli, Eli, Lamech, so back tonight, uh, which is to say, my God, my God, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, uh, probably blood splattered and on him. He heard the suffering and saw the pain. But if that man could go to hell that close to the Lamb of God do you not think you could die without Christ from a Christian home? He had spiritual advantages. You can go back to 2 Samuel 15. David's been run out of town by Absalom. He's going up the mount. He's going up the mount. The Bible said when he came up to the top of that mountain, a lot of preaching in that, man, while he's going up that mount right there, man, what did he do when he got to the top of the mountain? He turned around and complained. He cursed God. No. He got to the top of the mountain, being run out of his own kingdom, out of his own palace, by his own boy. And the Bible said when he come to the top of that mountain, uh, that he worshiped God. Uh, can I tell you, anybody can worship God when it's easy. Anybody can serve God when there's no opposition uh, and your heart's not broke uh, and tears are not dripping off your face. Uh, uh, but you'll never make me believe uh, uh, that if David could worship in an hour like that, uh, uh, that Absalom had not heard him uh, strum the harp uh, and sing the songs and worship God in the home. Uh, Absalom went to hell uh, after hearing the greatest singer in the word of God sing the glory of heaven's song. I'm talking about spiritual advantages. And some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I don't have those spiritual advantages. I ride a bus. Let me just, let me, let me answer that question. 
You're just so special that when the folks in your life wouldn't bring you, God sent somebody to get you. You say, well, I don't have that. No, you've just got somebody that spends a Saturday to come knock on your door and come pick you up. You've just got somebody that loves you enough. When mom and dad can't send you to camp or can't send you to church, there's some saint of God that wants you to be a part so they make a way to go. I'm telling you, somebody loves you. What advantages do you have? Some of you are not careful. You're going to go, you're going to graduate from a Christian school here preaching every week, hearing good singing, and you're going to miss God and go to hell. Spiritual advantages. What about his physical appearance? The Bible said that he, there's none in Israel. As beautiful he was from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, there was no blemish at him. Hey, Absalom never was popular in Israel because he was a man of integrity. He was a man of noble character. The only thing the Bible says really that was good about Absalom was he was a good-looking man. He didn't, he didn't get to prominence in Israel because he had won a battle. He didn't get in prominence in Israel because he had killed a giant. He had not come to prominence in Israel because he was a great general. He came to prominence in Israel because he was a handsome man with good hair. And pretty well an indictment against the nation of Israel uh, that a man that his only attribute really was uh, that he had some charisma and he was a good looking man uh, but they exalted him to a place of prominence uh, I say it's an indictment against America uh, that what we do is put in front of you athletes and movie stars and politicians uh, with no character and no, uh, no integrity and no morals uh, and we parade them before you like they're a hero. Uh, I mean the person get a month uh, to celebrate them and our men that have shed their blood get one day a year amen I didn't come all this way not to preach amen it's an indictment against that some of you that are dying and going to hell are the most handsome in your group you're the most athletic. You're the funnest to be around. Everybody looks to you. And what's the bad thing about it is you're not saved, and there's others that are afraid to get saved because they're afraid you'll make fun of them. Because you're the one uh, within every group. I've mean, been working with kids for 30 years now. And uh, in every group, there's a young man and a young lady uh, that the rest of them look to. And can I tell you, a lot of times, Brother Brown, it's not the most spiritual. It's not the young lady that uh, is, listen, sold out to God, the young man. It's that one that's fun to be with that makes the crowd laugh. And a uh, friend, if you're not careful, you're going to have a lot of charisma. You're going to have a lot of talent like Absalom did. Uh, but if you're not careful, you're going to miss the God of your fathers. Physical appearance, he was the man. Spiritual advantages, he was the son of the man. Understand David was the greatest singer in Israel, the greatest soldier in Israel, the greatest sovereign Israel ever knew, the greatest son Israel ever knew, yet Absalom 
went to hell. What about his natural ability? The Bible said that he sat at the gate. Oh, if I were the judge, if I were the judge in Israel, I would, man, I would order their case. I'd do right by them. They could come to me, and I would do the very best I could to take care of them. Then in two verses later, it said that Absalom stole the hearts. He had to be a pretty good leader with some charisma and ability. He wasn't born on the wrong side. He had name. He had fame. He had wealth. He had opportunity. But he missed God. See, the potential of that prince was there's no excuses. No excuse. What are you going to look at the Lord when you stand before the judgment seat and you're a second or third generation Christian that grew up in a home and you had every opportunity to trust Christ? Let me ask you something. What are you going to tell the Lord is the reason you, you miss God? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? You think David would have ridiculed Absalom for being a child of God? I don't think so. I believe David, even in his, uh, even in his mistakes and, and where he fell short, I believe he would have encouraged and, and done everything he could to make sure that Absalom uh, became a child of God. I'm telling you the potential of that royal prince was he could have done it if he wanted to. He's without excuse. And you've heard enough preaching thus far in this day and a half to save the world. What's your excuse? Miss Martinez had all those had all those pocketbooks out here. And I believe Brother Alvin told me they were all knockoffs. They weren't the real thing. You may look like the real thing, sound like the real thing, feel like the real thing, but when you lay down at night, you know there's nothing in you that bears witness that you're a child of God. I'm talking about not just the potential of the royal prince, but what about the replot of the rebellious prodigal? Second Samuel 13, one of, the, one of the most dastardly acts of the word of God. Your dad, I mean, I've heard him preaching in person. Hamnon had a friend. He and I preaching in a youth meeting in, in uh, North Carolina brother, at uh, Brother Ron Young's, and he preached on that. Amnon had a friend. Amen. And Amnon had a friend that gave him bad advice, and he went in there and took advantage of his sister. That's out of hell. That's right. Amen. Amen. You want to protect your mind, you want to keep that guilt and shame out of your mind, D don't be putting your hands on any girl until you put a ring on her finger and you say, I do. More of our young people across America are in, are in institutions being ridden with guilt and shame because they got into something that God meant for a marriage, not for a dating relationship. I mean, man, it was wicked what he did. When she came out, Amnon or Absalom knew something was wrong. He said, shh, don't say anything. Brother Swanson, Brother Treber, Absalom put Amnon on death row at that very moment. Sign him up, put him on the list. I'm going to kill him. 
And for two years, Absalom waited patiently till they were going to have a sheep shearing. He went and invited David. David said, come. He said, well, let, let Amnon come. Bitterness ruled his life. Revenge ruled his life. And for two years, he made a plot to kill his own brother. That sound like a child of God to you? Some of you sitting here with bitterness in your heart, malice in your heart. Nobody loves me. I'm against the world. Let me tell you something. The whole reason Jesus came to this world was to save you. Not just, his, not just the deeds of his conduct. What about the deceitfulness of his conversation? He's down there selling out his father at the gates. Said if daddy was a real king, he'd take care of you. He's not, but I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Runs his own dad out of town. What about, what about not just those deceitfulness of his conversation, but what about the devastation of his choices? Can I tell you what? We have, tra- we have traded teachers for preachers in our day. You know what the problem is? Like you said this morning, tickle my ear, pat my back. See, the thing about teaching is to inform. That's right. The difference between teaching and preaching, teaching is to inform you. Preaching is to draw you into a decision. I can teach you and say, man, it's been good to be here and let you go. But what Brother Treve and what Brother Swanson and Brother Brown and Brother Flood and Brother Cooper, what we're trying to do is draw you into a decision on what will you do with Jesus. You say, well, I'm just not going to make a choice. Let me just say this to you. You will make a choice. You are free to choose. The question, the thing is, you're just not free not to choose. You say, well, I'm going to make my own choices. Well, that's one thing you can do. You can make your own choice, but you can't choose the consequences. You may make the choice, but your choice will choose the consequences. You say, well, I'm just not going to, in a minute you're going to give an invitation. I'm not going to choose. No, your lack of responding to the invitation of the Lord, that is your choice. What did he choose? What did Absalom, what did he choose? Well, can I say this to you? He chose society instead of the Savior. He chose the world instead of the ways of God. He chose rebellion instead of righteousness. He chose the applause of people over the approval of God. He chose the way of the flesh over the will of his Father. He chose earthly things over eternal things. He chose recognition rather than a reward. His name means son of peace. But he was an enemy of peace. He rejected his rearing. He rejected his religion. He rejected his rule. Because of that rebellion, he was cursed by a tree. Because of our repentance, we're regenerated by a tree. Amen. Brother, all them years ago, Dr. Roloff preached, the mule walked on. One of these days, you're all right right now because you got something under you. But one of these days, the mule's going to walk on. And if you don't get right with God and get saved, you'll be hanging from a tree by your own pride, your own arrogance, your own, your own talents, your own abilities. You look in 1 Samuel, you look in 2 Samuel verse 18, Absalom didn't have a son, so he built him a pillar. 
He built him a place that would be a monument to his memory. What about that? He had a pillar, but God put him in a pit. What do you want to be remembered for? How fast you can run, how high you can jump, how good you can catch, how smart you are, how, what your grades are, what your score is on the ACT, SAT, ASFAB, how, how much money you've made, what do you, be, what, what do you want to be remembered for? He made him a pillar so nobody would forget him. But that pillar is an empty monument because Absalom is not there. Joab killed him. He's hung by the hair of his head. The man come to Joab and said, did you kill him? He said, no, I'm going to put my hand against the king's son. The king had already said, deal, deal softly. Go easy on Absalom. But Joab thought, man, no, we're not doing that. And they surrounded him and killed him and threw darts, put him in a pit. And the entire Israelite army walked by him and dropped rocks on him as they walked back from victory. Don't sound like the way I want to be remembered. Ain't nobody going to build a monument to you or a monument to me. But what you're doing right now and the way you live, the choices you make, you're building your own monument as to how you'll be remembered. If you're not careful, you're going to trade eternity for a few days. Popularity, fame, notoriety. I remember when I used to walk through the halls, I didn't used to be this big. I've always been this tall, but I've not been this round. <laughs> I played football. I was captain of our football team. I was co-captain of our basketball team and co-captain of our baseball team. Man, I had a, I had a letterman's jacket. We were good. Uh, my senior year, we lost one basketball game, got beaten in the semifinals of the state, 28-1. Patches all up and down that thing. Everybody in the school knew my name. Yet I traded my influence as a Christian away for fame and popularity. And now everything I traded it for is hanging in a closet. It doesn't fit. It's not bright red anymore. It's a faded, just a faded orange. The leather's cracking. All the trophies, certificates, newspaper articles are all in a scrapbook put away that I never look at. And I traded it away. So I could fit in. Didn't use my faith to be a blessing to my friends. One of my best friends that I played ball with in school got hooked on, got hooked on dope when he was at Auburn University. In and out of, in and out of rehab his entire life. Until he was about 35, 36 years old. Been out of rehab about 30 days relapsed, but this time he didn't go back to rehab. This time he went back to his mom and dad's house and took a bed sheet, hung himself from their, hung himself from their deck. And 19 years after I should have been a Christian at high school, I got to stand before 500 of my school mates and preach my friend's funeral. 
I wish I'd have been a Christian 19 years before that and won him to God. But I didn't. See, there was no expectation. Absalom just did what he wanted to. Problem is, what about this plea of this remorseful parent? I'm done preaching. His daddy was the king. But just like there was no excuse and no expectation for Absalom, when it came to David's boy, there was no exception. The same boy he held years before and said, Absalom, Absalom, son of my peace, is the same dad who's weeping and mourning the memory of his lost boy. See, Absalom was the fourth installment of the judgment of God that Nathan had pronounced on David. That baby died, Tamar was raped, Amnon was killed, and Absalom died. That was the fourth installment for what David did with Bathsheba. Isn't it amazing that David didn't fail as a soldier? He didn't fail as a king. He didn't fail as a son. He failed as a father. You say, but my daddy, my daddy's the pastor. My daddy's the youth director. My daddy's a deacon. My daddy's a bus worker. My daddy's a missionary. My daddy's this. My mama plays the piano. My mama does this. Let me tell you something. If there was no exception for David, there'll be no exception for your parents. You say, how do you know that Absalom went to hell? Well, when Bathsheba's baby died, David, David, when it was sick, David got down fasting and prayed. And then when he heard the news that the baby had died, he got up, anointed himself, went into the house of God, and he worshiped God. And the people said, David, we don't understand. While it was alive, you were mourning, and you were fasting, and now that it's dead, you're worshiping. He said, well, he said, who could tell what God would do? I just prayed to see what the Lord would do, but now that that baby's dead, he said, I cannot bring it back to where I I am, but I can go to where he is. He never said that about Absalom. He never said that about Absalom. We get to heaven, there's going to be some things that surprise us. It's going to surprise us who's there. Some folks that we've ever thought would get in, going to get in. But I'm afraid when we get to heaven, something's going to surprise us is who's not there. It's easy for us to believe that drunkards go to hell, dopers go to hell, harlots go to hell, liberals go to, I mean, we, you know, it's easy for us to believe that. But for some reason, we have lulled ourselves into a sense of security that if I go to a good church, I go to a good school, I'm blown to a good family, I'm okay. But you will not ride your parents' faith into heaven. There is a record of David's personal relationship with the Lord, but there's no record of Absalom's. Are you... Are you going to go from a Christian home to a Christless hell? I, I'm, I'm so brokenhearted watching the children leave our churches at 18, 19 years old. 
Does that mean, does it mean all of them are lost? No. But I believe it probably means a lot of them are. So they, if they'd have been with us, they wouldn't have gone out from us. I mean, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. And I know folks get backslid, and outside of the grace of God, I'd be backslid. Can I tell you, my, my worst enemy is not the world, because I can come out from apart, come out from among it and be separate. Can I tell you, my, 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 my greatest enemy is not even the devil. He said, if I submit myself to God, resist the devil, he said, he will flee from me. He, not that he might flee from me. He said, he will flee from me. It'll be a glad day in your life when you realize the greatest enemy you ever battle. You shave it every day, comb its hair, bathe it, wash it. It's your flesh. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of people from good churches that are going to go to hell because they were too prideful to admit, I'm not okay. I played the part. I have played the game. And you're looking... You're doing everything you can. Just bide your time and I'm going to get out of here. But what you're going to find is you're going to find like that prodigal did that the far country and everything gets cracked up, cracked up to be. I tell our children this at church. I'm going to try to preach it as tight as I can to keep them from leaving. But I don't ever want to preach it so tight that they don't think they can come home. My question is this. I'm not scattergun preaching this morning. I'm not just nailing everything. I'm narrowing it down. Are you in a Christian home headed to a Christless hell? It'd be a good morning. Come on to the piano. Come on to the piano. It'd be a good morning to make your salvation sure. You said, well, man, would my, my parents, my dad's the preacher. Let me tell you something. I've got a five foot two redheaded wife. She's about like that. And she'd make you walk the line, praise God. If my wife had flown out with here today, and she walked down that aisle and looked at me and said, Daddy, I, I need to get saved, I wouldn't be one lick embarrassed. Amen. Say, what would you do? I'd probably jump off this. I'd probably jump off this platform. I'd crawl in an altar, put my arm around her, and I'd weep with her, and I'd pray with her, and I'd beg God to save my wife. You say, what? What am I? What? 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 What are my preacher gonna think? What is my mother gonna think? What's my dad gonna? If they're a child of God, they're gonna say, "Praise God! Praise the Lord! They trusted the Lord! They've repented! They've got saved!" Amen. Or are you gonna say, "No, I got too much going. I, I've got my spiritual advantages. I've got my physical appearance. I've got my natural abilities." What you're going to find is all that's going to burn out. I preached at a Bible college years ago just on an opening night chapel. Didn't even really, I mean, I wasn't preaching law to people, but I had three men, young men, come forward, get saved in the Bible college chapel. Somebody said, what do you think about that? I said, I believe preachers ought to be saved. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, 
visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.